Welcome back, welcome back, and sorry for the delay in uploading a new episode. April has been a very hectic month. Until now, I've been doing everything here on Reefer the Reefer on my own time and my own dime. And then I met Dan from Honored Photography. Dan's been helping me put some YouTube content together this month with Where's the Terps Strain Reviews with Little Farmer. So head over to YouTube and follow me at Little Farmer and check out some of the content. And for that, this episode is brought to you by Honored Photography. Thanks, Dan. Go check out his webpage at honoredphotography.com and check out what he has to offer. Great guy, great photography, great videos. Thanks, Dan. And without further ado, let's get into the next episode with Derek McDonald. He is a singer-songwriter who wrote Dr. Herb, which is the intro song to Reefer the Reefer. If you're interested in hearing the full length of the song, wait till the end of this episode, and I will have a version of it for you to listen to. Hey, thanks, Derek. Welcome to Reefer the Reefer, the podcast. I'm here with Derek McDonald. Thanks for coming in, Derek. Yes, sir. Derek is a singer and songwriter from the band Rasta Rafiki that I remember, but also he has a couple other bands, and I think he does some solo singing, possibly, on occasions. He mostly would. Other artists, you know, it's not the artist. do much solo stuff, just duos and group stuff. Duos and group. So, I was introduced to Derek and Rasha Rafiki back in 1993 in Morgantown, West Virginia, at a band at a, at a venue called Nyabingi back in the day, which is now called 123 Pleasant Street, right, right? Yeah, and they were playing. I was 17, and my sister was in college, and she knew the doorman, so. She snuck me in there, and I was back in the corner digging it. I didn't drink or anything. I think I smoked like mm. one or two bowls. I had a great time. First introduction to live music. It was great. Uh, thank you for that. Yes, you're welcome. And he, uh, he sang a song called Dr. Herb, and it is actually the intro to the podcast now. I reached out to Derek and asked him if I could use it because it influenced my life so much, and I thought it had so much meaning and fit the podcast perfectly. And he was gracious enough to say yes. And uh, I invited him on to the podcast here to talk about the song, actually, and what inspired it and how he got into cannabis and what he's up to now and what's up with Rasta Rafiki, which is actually playing this summer in West Virginia at Cheat Lake. Yeah, June 17th. Yeah, I, I can't wait to hear some of that music. If I can't get there, I'd like to at least uh, grab some audio from some of the live stuff. Oh, yeah. We got to make sure that there's some. You know, video and audio. We got to see to that. So when did you actually write the song, Dr. Herb, Derek? Well, I wrote that song. It was back, you know, back in the day when I was in my early 20s. And uh, Ross Rafiki had gotten to the point where we we were like, we were touring. Well, not say touring, but we were gigging on a regular. Like every midweek through Sunday, we were hitting spots out, out of town. We were having a pretty regular routine there. And I, I was living above the Nyabingi with Ross Johnny, who was the owner of the Nyabingi. And uh, I said, you have to say, you know, in my early 20s, I had a lot of free time on my hands. You know, <laughs> So whenever I wasn't on the road, I was pretty much just chilling, waiting till the next time I was on the road, going to rehearsal, you know, and 
I found that oftentimes when I got off the road, of course I was tired. I found myself sleeping in it. And sometimes uh, I wouldn't wake up until someone knocked on my door and they were like, yo D, what you doing? Let's let's burn some herb, you know? I'm like, all right, cool. So they would come by and we'd burn some herb and we would always get to this point and, and burn herb where we were having deep conversation. Every conversation was meaningful. It was never just trivial conversation. That's just how it was. So in my mind, I just really thought to myself, I feel like I'm a psychiatrist sometimes. Like I'm a doctor up in here. People coming into the office and we burn the herb and we start talking and we start getting deep into each other's personal space and conversation. So that's when the idea came to me, like, it's like a doctor. So Dr. Herb, to me, became the herb is the doctor that talks to you. And you are a doctor when you burn the herb and you talk to other people. So it has so many meanings to me. And then, like, there was some literature going around. I think it was called The Emperor Wears No Clothing, which was like the first literature that I had read talking about the positive, positive use of marijuana and herb. So with all that going on in my life, I kind of just really came up with this concept of Dr. Herb. And and I and I can remember me sitting around going diggity 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 doctor, you know, just kind of like jestfully in my head thinking, herb is like it's like medicine because you get deep with it, and, and that's how I came up with the idea. Yeah, it, 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 at the end it's like good for asthma, good for this, rather. for the food, food, fiber, and fun, and fun. Mm-hmm. So when were you actually introduced to cannabis for the first time? Well. First time I really was introduced to it is when I realized my parents were smoking it. And uh, me and my brother, we'd be laying around at night, my older brother, and I could smell it. And I would say to him, what is that? And he would be like, that's reefer. And granted, we were young. I mean, I'm saying we were probably like seven and nine years old. My brother's about a year and a half older than me. I'm like, what is that? He's like, that's reefer. And in my young mind, all I could think was Christmas reef. I'm like, reefer? Christmas reef. I'm like, and I'm thinking my parents are sitting around smoking the Christmas reef. And I'm thinking, why would they be doing that? Why <laughs> the imagination of a kid, you know. Like, why in the world are my parents smoking the Christmas? I said, this reef. Why are they smoking the Christmas reef, Derek? And he was like, no, it's wheat marijuana. And that's, and that's the first time I heard about it. And I started noticing the smell. And of course, you started learning about it in school. And they didn't have nice things to say about it in school. Mm-hmm. And Dare program. So that bothered me to the point where I would start saying things to my mom and dad at night. Like, mom, dad, I can't sleep. I'm feeling real dizzy. I'd say stuff like that. And my mom will be back in there choking. <clears throat> Just go back to sleep. You'll be all right. You'll be all right. Just go. You're good. You're good. <laughs> right? But then I had an older cousin who ended up moving in with us. And he was, you know, he was a street slick individual. He had herb. And he he would always dare me. Like, I dare you to try this. 
and he would say, I'll give you some money, you know, and I was, I grew up with that hustle mentality, you know, mm -hmm. you gonna give me some money? Like, sure, I'll try. So that was the first time, and I was probably in seventh grade. It's the first time. I heard about it in the seventh grade, but I didn't really smoke until like 10th grade when I was introduced to some friends mm -hmm. walking through the path, and they handed me a joint. Well, by the time I got to high school, I, I became a user because I had buddies who older, who older brothers could get access to mm -hmm. it. And we'd get the old corn cob pipe from the convenience store or take an apple. We get the carrot too. Carrot, aluminum foil. Toilet paper roll with aluminum foil was my favorite. You cut a little hole, put the aluminum foil in there, and you have your own little uh, steamer. Basically. You know, <laughs> it, never, it never tastes as good as the first time. What First was time your, you smoke it. was the best herb you ever smoked. It was probably when you were younger. Everybody has a nostalgic memory mm -hmm. of something back in the past. Well, the best herb I ever smoked, it's memorable, but it was also a little traumatizing. It was, a, it was on my birthday in West Virginia. My brother and my best friend, they, uh, they drove up to Morgantown to surprise me on my birthday, and they had what they called skunk bud. Remember that strain? Mm -hmm. It smelled like a skunk. They're like, hey, man, we bought this, you know, help you celebrate your birthday. And I was already excited and surprised because I didn't think they were coming. And then we started burning that um, skunk bud. And we put on some Bob Marley and One Love. We put on One Love. And that bass line, that bass line and One Love, it just, it just sunk into my chest. I, I was just, you know, for the first time really feeling that bass line. And that got me to a point where I started to hyperventilate a little bit. And I was like, wow, I'm hyperventilating. I'm feeling a little edgy, you know, like. So I went and took a shower to calm my nerves. And then it seemed like after I took the shower, it just felt like everything, I, my senses seemed like they were like heightened, like music playing. It was just boom, boom, boom. It was, and I got to the point where I just really started breathing really heavy. And my brother was like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I'm hyperventilating. I, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. He's like, sit down. He got a bag and had me breathe and relax. But that was the first time that ever really intensely happened to me like that with marijuana. And we were smoking bongs. So what I did was for a while, I didn't quit smoking weed. I just quit smoking bongs for a while. Yeah, I, I had a incident in college where we were sitting around we were taking we were taking blunts and putting them in the end of the bong and smoking blunts out of the bong take a bong and so we did like three blunts like that between three or four of us i got so so high i got nauseous and threw up and then it felt like i was tripping on mushrooms after that you know my whole body was just like i felt like i was tripping but you know over time as you grow you realize you learn how to use or you know because it was illegal for so long, it kind of forced you to abuse it because you always had to do it in hiding. You had to get it in when you could. So it kind of, it being illegal kind of encouraged you to misuse it. But now that it's legal, you can educate yourself and you can use it the way an herb, a natural herb, a God-given herb is supposed to be used. You don't have to Puff, 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 puff. You know, you can use it in moderation. You can know the strand and 
and what it can do for you or maybe not do for you. So, Did you grow up in West Virginia? No, I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, but I ended up going to WVU for school, you know, out of, out of high school. That's where I went. So you, you were downtown in Baltimore. You grew up in the city? I grew up, well, or, or we, a little bit I out. was born and raised in the city up until a certain age. Till I, I was nine, nine, and then my parents had enough wherewithal. Thank wherewithal. Thank you, mom and dad. They moved us out into Baltimore County, mm-hmm. and we thought we moved far away from the city, but it was only basically ten, fifteen minutes down the road. But the, the neighborhoods, the communities were completely different. The education system was completely different. So through that, I got a good education in Baltimore County to the point where I had enough to go to college and I kind of just took my finger and picked West Virginia and all my friends were like why? I said I don't know. It's a special place. I said I don't know. I said have you ever been to West Virginia? I said no. They said do you know anything about West Virginia? I said no. They said um you know about the ratio of like blacks to whites in West Virginia, and you know that like there's a potential racism situations like that in West Virginia. And I said, I'm gonna find out. And I, I just, you know, I just went on an impulse, you know. I went there just because I'm from West Virginia, and family went there, and it was the closest one to the house, and uh, I had an herb connection there because that's one of the main reasons mm-hmm. I went there because I had an herb connection, and. Uh, it lasted a few years and then it ran out because, you know, Morgantown's a big place and a lot of people getting busted here and yeah, there. Uh, I was there during a lot of those periods. And uh, did you ever have any bad experiences in Morgantown while you were there? I almost got arrested a few times. I was just lucky that something else happened or something. You know, just- I, I saw a lot of crazy stuff happen in Morgantown. Me personally, I never had anything too drastic happen to me. There was a time, you know, where there might have been some small brushes with, you know, the police. Like one time they come knocking on the door above the Nyabingi saying, uh, they need someone needs to see you down at the station. I'm like, okay. So, or, or no, somebody came to the door. So a police officer came at the door looking for you. I said, really? And I said, well, let me go walk up there and see why they're looking for me. So I walked up there because I don't like the idea of somebody looking for me. I'm like, you looking for me? And they said, no, <laughs> that must have been some mistake. So whatever. But there was one time where we had a situation where a friend was in need and uh, we had called 911 because we were concerned about our friend because they weren't feeling well and we felt like they needed to go to the hospital, but they didn't want to go. But we didn't know that then, but now we know that if you ever call 911 or you call like emergency and, and, and your friends are calling for you to, you know, they need you and you decline it, they'll send someone there anyway. And they sent the police because they thought the person was in a dangerous situation, potentially. And uh, the police, they could smell the herb. And uh, they gave us a hard time about it. 
they were like, we smell herb. We smell marijuana. We need everybody to go back inside. Uh, somebody's been smoking? Like, nah. I mean, we decline, decline, decline. Nah, I don't know. I don't know why you smell that. I mean, we don't, we don't have any herb. And they were like, well, what we're going to do is we're going to take all your names and phone numbers down. We're like, okay. They started with me. Tony Johnson. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, are you serious? I'm really going to give you my real name and number? But, you know, little silly things like that. But never, nothing ever serious. I've been... Ross Rafiki bus did get pulled over one time, though, down in Lewisburg. That was a little embarrassing. That's a little different part of the state. So West yeah. Virginia is a state. The eastern panhandle with the Morgantown is going to be a little bit different than the southern part of the state. Yeah, they, they pulled us over once. We were leaving town. We just did a show that night. They pulled us over, made us get out the bus, and they were threatening to search the bus and everything. And we're like, they're like, if you don't let us in, we're going to call, um, get a search going. We're like, go ahead. And then they finally just let us go, you know. It's not a bad place in Morgantown. It's a big party school. Uh, crime rate's pretty low compared to most other universities. Uh, I had a great time there. It took me six years to graduate. Uh, biggest problems I had there were I just saw a lot of people get busted for selling weed. Mm-hmm. A, and, lot, uh, a lot of my friends who live there now, they say that it's changed a lot, though, that downtown there's a lot of homeless situation of a lot of people who may be drug addicts and things, so it doesn't have the same feeling. It's kind of scary, but that's happening all over the U.S. from what I hear. Yeah, West Virginia, you know, is uh, one of the worst states for the opiate mm-hmm. epidemic Yes, and people dying. And uh, I've, I've had friends die from it, uh, friends of friends, and if not your typical drug addict either is going to be the young girl that went and got her molars taken out and got some pain pills and got addicted to those and then ended up getting heroin somewhere because she couldn't get her pain pills anymore and low tolerance. You know, deed real quick. It's pretty sad. It's uh seems to go back and forth from opiates to heroin to back to pills, depending on what's cheaper on the streets. And uh, I think cannabis can really help. For sure. Like wean a lot of these people off. I know there's some medical dispensaries in West Virginia now, but they're really behind on uh, what's happening. And I recommend everybody back there try to just get involved and start talking, get in contact with your senators and just tell them, hey, we want to legalize it. We're just tired of waiting. People are going to the other state next door to Virginia to get an ID to get their weed or they're going to Maryland or to D.C. because anybody can go to D.C. and just sign a paper saying I'm a medical user and they can mm-hmm. get access to a medical dispensary mm-hmm. weed. And uh, I've heard of people even driving up to Massachusetts still from, from West Virginia to get good weed. So the state's losing out. It's uh, been five or six years since they legalized and still the only West Virginia-based uh, operator hasn't opened his first door yet. It's all out-of-state entities like True Leave and a Cure Leaf, I think, and a couple mm-hmm. other MSOs, which means multi-state operators. If you guys haven't heard that term yet, MSO is multi-state operators. And uh, <clears throat> none of the local people in West Virginia are getting a chance. So they're mo- trying to monopolize it. Mm-hmm. That's what's happening. And it's it's cost so much to get the doors open 
we're the only local operator and it's a curative growth. And they're supposed to open one in Romney, West Virginia, where I'm from, mm-hmm. Morgantown and Fairmont. But uh, just financials, all the headaches of trying to get the permits, trying to have the people next door complain, having to get the walls up, the fencing, uh, COVID, no money to left to actually remodel the building and get it set up. So you had to get more investors to come in and they're guaranteed to lose money for the first five years. There's no way they're going to make a profit Hmm. the way the system's set up. And I have people in West Virginia going up, calling me up because my, my business where I sell seeds and I help people consult to grow their own cannabis calling me because they think I'm the dispenser in Romney because somehow when they search Google, that's what comes up. So the market's there. We just got to figure out how to get it opened up. And uh, so now you're in Denver. I forgot mm-hmm. to mention to yeah. the people, we're in Denver. Welcome to Denver. <laughs> Derek, he's here to see um, the reggae show at Red Rocks coming up with yes, the Marley man. Brothers. Yep. Um, you've been here before to see reggae on the rocks. Hopefully we can get you out here and do a little, little show. Yes, I like the compound you have going on right here. We're down at the Connoisseur Collective right now, and uh, he's checking out the area and smoking some of the good herbs, some of the best herb that Colorado has. Uh, what do you think of some of the stuff that you've been smelling compared to what you've been getting back in Baltimore? You know, just the the number, the, the, the diversity of aromas that I've been smelling is just I've smelled aromas that I've never really smelled in marijuana before. So yeah, the one he gave you has that orangey, like Tropicana Hawaiian punch smell mm-hmm. with a little chocolatey. Mm-hmm. That's one of my that right. Yeah, the Tropicana it, that and that chocolatey uh, man. It's it's so d- diverse with the terpene profiles. We've been talking about the terpene profiles mm-hmm. and, uh, and some of the differences. You don't even have to burn it to get some benefits from it. Just the aromatherapy. It's strong. I don't know if you've ever said this when you were younger. Like, man, if I could put that smell into a bottle and carry it around, you know. And I we, call it contact. <laughs> <laughs> and now they actually can separate the terpenes and put them into bottles and they're really condensed up. Hmm. Like we were talking, put them into diffusers, let them go through the air. Uh, and it's such a nice smell. I don't, I don't know why some people don't like it. They, I've heard a lot of people, like my... Uh, some of my ex-girlfriends, oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. And then all of a sudden, there'll be that one. But even the that burning, one, they'll be like, hmm, that one does smell pretty good and a get lot really of them interested. may not like the smell of it when it's burning, but when it's just the aroma, they might like it. And then some people are opposite. They prefer. Like me, I, I notice like if I've ever been to like a concert and I haven't had, I didn't have anything to smoke. Everything I smelled in the air smelled like the most amazing herb you've ever smelled in your life. And I thought to myself, what smells better than my herb? Somebody else's herb. It just, I don't, you know, the herb smells better from the other pipe. You know what I mean? Have you uh, had any correlation with smoking herb and creativeness, creativeness and writing music? Absolutely. And how has it influenced your, uh, your singing, singing and songwriting? You know, with me, herb just opens me up and connects me to 
co-create with the most high inside of me. And, you know, I used to think, oh man, I came up with a great idea. I can't do, but it's not just me. It's a co-creation, you know, and the herb has just always been there to put me in that place, you know, like to come up with creative things. And over time I've been able to maintain them. Like in the past I'd come up with them and then an hour later it'd be gone. But in time, you learn to capture them. And it's easier now with, you know, technology. Mm-hmm. I sing it to my phone often, you know, not just words, but melodies and bass lines and rhythm, you know. But I always know it's that, it's that voice within communicating with me. Like, I, I like being alone now because my alone time is creative time. I think it just makes me more one with the music at itself. I can get into it and kind of mind out of body experience with the music and become one more with it. And just, uh, I have those moments too. Creativeness. If you don't write it down really quick, gone. Mm -hmm. That's uh, one thing herb actually helps me to focus and control those thoughts and remember the things I want to remember more than, and forget the things I don't want to remember easier mm-hmm. instead of letting the things I want to forget cloud my mind and help me forget the things I want to remember. Yeah, I like to use herb when I'm in a creative mood, not when I'm wanting to relax. You know, yeah, at the end of the day, it's a nice thing, but after all the creativity has been done, you know. All that mental work is actually relaxing and helps you. Mm-hmm. You know, I needed to go to sleep or relax in the evening with all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same with me getting out and doing physical labor. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, I'm already relaxed and I can go to bed because I've already smoked. I've already worked hard and my body's ready to go to bed or mentally exhausted myself. But I have found that some are more creative than others. There are some with certain terpene profiles that stimulate my mind more than others. See, that's the beauty of it now becoming, you know, more accepted that now people can use the herb exactly how they need to use it. Before, you just had to get with the man, the doc down the street had, which is another meaning of Dr. Herb. He's not a drug dealer. We call him Dr. Herb. You know, Mm -hmm. that became the catchphrase around town. You seen a doctor? Do you have any doctor? You know, that was a way of Communicating without saying, hey, you got any weed? Who's a drug dealer? You know, you seen the doc? Yeah, he wasn't a drug dealer. And the problem is yeah. there's a lot of times you had to go to a real drug dealer to get your weed. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I didn't like either. But you brain. had to get whatever he had, whatever he was able to get. Now you can get whatever you want, whatever you need, you know. A lot safer, too. Apothecary. Apothecary. That's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a common term out here. Apothecary farms is a. Yeah. Good one using natural remedies, natural herbs. So you are currently in Baltimore at the moment, but I know yes. you're in Florida and Tampa a lot. I see you yeah, posting, yeah. uh, you're doing a little trio of music. What, yeah. What's the name of your trio that you got going on? We got now? a trio that's bigger than a trio. We call ourselves One Love Rising. We're out of Tampa, Florida. Right now, you know, the main crew is me and Mr. Wanjaman 
Guanja Montero and Phil Compass on the bass. But we have other people that, you know, we build with. But yeah, we plan. I'm planning on going down there in May. And we're going to do some shows in May in Tampa. And what, what's happening in June? I kind of mentioned it earlier. June. You guys are playing, getting a Rasta Rafiki band back together. Right. We're getting together with Rasta Rafiki. June 16th in Charleston at Live at the Levee. And June 17th, we're going to be opening up the Raging on the River uh, series that they have every summer. So this will be the first installment of the summer of 2023. And it's at the Cheat. Uh, River Festival Grounds they have there. Adam Payne, you know, runs that. Yeah, Music to Your Ear Productions yes. in Morgantown, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he runs a lot of a lot of shows out there. Shout out to Adam. Yes. He's a friend of mine from back in college. Adam Payne been holding it down for years. We appreciate him for that. So Yeah, anything with live music going on in Morgantown, he most definitely knows about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he's a uh, told me about a couple shows and I made my way out to Morgantown just to check them out. We're <clears throat> definitely excited for that. There's going to be many artists on that June 17th camping out there along the Cheat River, you know. And the other question I wanted to ask you uh, kind of slipped my mind. Oh, so other types of besides mental relaxation and uh, creativeness, are, are there any other ways that cannabis has helped you better your life? And you know, I've always noticed that like like certain aches and pains that you may have in your body, I've noticed that after I've used some herb, I can focus on those pains and those aches and those places in my body and almost isolate them to, Come on in. to know where I might need to apply pressure for stretching, mm-hmm. mainly with stretching, you know, and just where to release that tension in my hips and my legs. And I find that cannabis helps with that. I think it uh, helps me become more self-aware of my body. Yes. Like you're saying, it mm-hmm. just helps me to slow down. And I know more about the effects of what I'm putting in my body and how they affect me. I'm more conscious of how my body is reacting all the time. And, you know, I noticed inputs. that cannabis, it's not necessarily for everybody. And it's also not necessarily used the same by everybody. Some people can smoke it and get used from it, and some people don't. Some people can eat it and get used from it, and they don't. Some people can get the tinctures and get within it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And or, or rub the cream. Mm-hmm. And that was another question I wanted to ask you about the CBD and animals. Mm-hmm. How is that? How is that used? Because I have a a really active puppy mm-hmm. <laughs> who's almost adult. But I noticed that her personality te- tends to be one where she just will naturally get hyper mm-hmm. and she needs help relaxing. And I find myself saying, just relax. It's okay. We're going outside or it's okay. And you just chill. Like, like you have to, inc- and I was wondering like, is there things like C- CBD? That- they do make CBD a uh, pet or a, uh, Chews and treats. So mm-hmm. you can buy treats for the dog that have CBD already infused in them. And the way CBD works and the way it's explained, every person and every animal and plant has an endocannabinoid system or 
ECS, endocannabinoid mm. system. So if you ever see ECS or something related to that, it's talking about the endocannabinoid system, which is basically like your nervous system, your um, circulatory system, your respiratory system, but it is controls your brain and your nervous system and touches on all of your other systems too. Okay. So it touches all of your organs basically in your muscles and mm-hmm. your nerves and the endocannabinoid system starts in the brain. The CBD helps to regulate that focal point in the brain that controls everything else. Mm-hmm. So CBD doesn't do a hundred things. It doesn't like, it doesn't kill the pain. It doesn't help you sleep. It just helps control that, which helps control your hormones, mm-hmm. which helps control your nervous system, which calms you down. Uh, that's why you see people with uh, epilepsy. Their brain is going too fast. It's sending too many signals and the receptors can't receive all the signals at the same time. So it slows down the signals and then the receptor can take it. So they're mm-hmm. instantly their nerves calm down. And it's something about that synopsis of the brain because it's all uh electrical signals in your brain mm-hmm. and the receiver is telling the the sender that we can't take them that fast slow down it'll slow down so or if your sender is going really slow and your receiver's like we need more it can tell it hey we need you to speed up that's why it has an opposite effect to some people mm-hmm. um and it's it's a complicated complicated system in the brain where other mechanisms of medication pharmaceutically work the other way. They try to control the sender, and the receiver has no say. So it tries it causes different issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a podcast I listen to called Smoking Science. These girls are PhDs, mm-hmm. and my BPhD is a neuroscientist on the brain, and she talks really in depth about how CBD affects the brain and then how that will affect your nervous system and the rest of your organs and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's really good for the nerves. So with the dogs, they don't recommend THC. Um, right. I've, I've heard that. But they might, in some cases, I don't know. There's some doctors are just afraid to say, to give it a THC in case something happens. They just don't want to be responsible. So one thing I think about with the dogs I often ask myself, well, what would a dog do if it was in the wild? So I try to think about that too. Like, how would a dog get CBD in the wild if, if it was? They might be able to eat the plant. Uh, I don't know. Most dogs would be in packs and are hunters. If they were living in a free world, that's yeah, free what I'm <laughs> like, I think about that in my dog all the time. If you were living in a free world, how would your life be? <laughs> In a dog-free world. So uh, the only way I recommend I've heard is the tinctures or the treats already pre-packaged up. And there's some really good ones out there, too, that are other ingredients that are good for their stomach with the probiotics and help them to digest their food and help them stop the scratching, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard it's help calm dogs down, but also if your dog's old and starting to have pains and stuff, it actually, like, gives them more energy mm-hmm. and they become more youthful and it could all be dependent on the dog just like humans it, it reacts differently from person to person so right. it could be the same for dogs i would imagine 
but I have heard of one or two doctors talk about CBD with just a little THC to activate the the CBD, just like it is in humans. If you eat CBD and you have just a little bit of THC with it, that CBD will function more, uh, more. Uh, I can see that readily. I can see that being the case for myself for sure. A little THC in there with the CBD would would help me. Because from my past experience of just using CBD, my mind doesn't really feel like I'm feeling it. One of the main things with the CBD, and I'll give you some tinctures that I made that has a CBD, THC, and CBG in it. Mm-hmm. So you can try some of that. It's called the trifecta mm-hmm. of those cannabinoids. And it's the one I feel that works the best for me. Um. The main thing about it, it's full plant extract. So I'm getting all parts of the plant. I'm extracting those smells and the terpenes too. Mm. So when you ingest it, that's going into your body also and gives you more unique effects than if you buy a distillate CBD on the shelves. A lot of times you go back east or something, you're going to get a a distillate. It'll say 1,000 milligram CBD, alcohol extracted, and it has none of the terpenes. It has no other part of the plant in it. And there's other parts of the plant that, we probably just don't even know exist yet. We haven't discovered because of the research or lack of research. But the main ones are cannabinoids, terpenes, and flavonoids that we know of. Mm-hmm. And those mixtures in with the THC and CBD all together create synergistic effects. And if you strip away one of them, the other ones aren't going to work as well. Right. So the all full plant extract is some of the best medicine. And those CBD... Um, products probably don't taste the best, but they work best. You know, um, if it tastes good, it probably doesn't. It's either got sugar in I'm it. I'm a fan or, of bitter being sweet to the body. You have a strict diet, also. You know, does the uh, does the cannabis play any role into that? For me, I know my diet got much better once I started becoming more self aware, and it just wanted me. It, Growing wow. cannabis made me want to grow more plants, and then I wanted to eat the plants I grew and want to take care of my body more. You know, when I'm going through some of my fasts, I find that the cannabis helps me to maintain the steadfastness of the fast. You know, if I didn't have the cannabis, I might lose the steadfastness and break my fast earlier than I intended to. But Knowing me, I could do the fast without the herb too because I I, I challenge myself with things like that. I'll fast from herb, you know, to to show myself that I can because I don't like to feel like something can control me, you know, in anything, a person, a thing, anything. I want to feel like I'm in control of me. So every now and again, I'll even fast from the herb just to remind myself. I think the uh, cannabis too can help you keep focused on, on the path of mm-hmm. whatever path you're on and help mm-hmm. you keep dialed into what you want to do. Yeah, it's like, in other words, it's like if I can't have a drink or if I can't have these cookies, at least I can have my herb. You know, sometimes that's how I feel, you know. Yeah, I think it helps a lot of people in that way. Another yeah. thing, it gets a bad rep. Oh, I'm going to smoke and I'm going to eat a pack of 
potato chips. I can't because yeah. I, I gotta watch my weight. I can't smoke ain't, herb. Ain't no calories in the herb. I'm like, what? <laughs> you gotta you know watch that? watch your weight so you can't smoke herb. Or smoking herb's not gonna make you fat. It's gonna probably actually do the opposite. It's gonna probably slow your metabolism down and help you mm-hmm. lose weight. And it's a grounding thing to me. It grounds you, and I like being grounded because I'm a tree. So trees like the ground. Well said. So, so what other plans have you got here in Colorado while you're here? Anything special besides the shows? Have you got a chance to maybe you know, go up into the mountains and visit the mountains? Denver's beautiful, gonna, but the mountains. I, I was going to extend my stay until the end of the weekend, but I have to get back on Friday. So I, basically, my focus is just to you know check these shows and just just vibe with the people that I come across. So, and just have a little break from the hustle grind I've been doing in Baltimore, you know, so. You've already met the people here at the Connoisseur Collective, so you oh. you know you're welcome here. I know you guys have already talked about playing some music here. I'm going to talk to the brethren down in Tampa about our next Colorado trip. So that's already, that was in the works before I even got here. Because, you know, I and I manifest these things. So. So. You got to, oh, sorry about that. I didn't mean to. Last night, we got, some of the musicians got together and we was just jamming and I saw the vision. It was like, we're going to come forward to Colorado, so. It's a whole different vibe here, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I was getting ready to say you got a unique chance and perspective to see what's happening in Florida and Maryland at the time with their legalization and where Mm -hmm. they're at. That's true, that's true. is, Is Maryland... In your mind, a little bit further ahead than they're actually moving into wreck in Maryland, well, but in Florida, it's still say, uh, medical only, I believe. Let me say they're further enough for now for me, if thanks, you know what I mean? So I got my med- medical card in Maryland, so I'm straight. I would like to get some seeds and grow because it's such a beautiful thing to witness and be a part of, which I have no experience with, but I want to create that experience. Yeah, we talked about Maryland. I think it's allowing every resident, every 21, it's going to be county to county for sure. But to grow a couple of their own plants, I think up to four plants per person. And uh, it'll depend on county and what their local authorities will allow. Mm-hmm. But you had mentioned it might be postponed a little bit yeah, if say, there's a rumor going say, around. They say there might be a little delay come July 1st, but they say that's typical for all states to go into the recreational realm, that there's always a little giddy up at the beginning, but eventually it'll be smooth. So we were talking about how you got a unique perspective of being in Florida and in Baltimore, and you like how Baltimore is a little bit more advanced, right? And you got access to everything you need with your med card. Uh, they're going to be able to grow there. But I've heard some stuff about Florida, and they've already been called out for it, some out-of-state or uh, multi-state operators trying to uh, pay off some politicians to really to control home grows, not to allow home grows, not to allow uh, certain operators license just to control the market so they can have a monopoly of the market in Florida. Mm-hmm. There's some of the same people that are in, in West Virginia I holding it back there too. I didn't get the car when I was in Florida. I didn't bother with it there because 
I didn't need to. You know, I had good access to to it just around where I didn't have to go the medical route. But um, when I went to Baltimore, I didn't know as many people, so it was better for me to go the medical route. Can you find this being kind of sketchy? What? And trying to find some herb in Baltimore I just didn't, without knowing just people? Didn't, you know, I, I just didn't know as many people, you know. just I'd been gone away from Baltimore for 34 years. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really, you know, know any people. So it was a better route for me to just get the card. So in Florida, there's pretty readily in certain areas where yeah, to get, you know, to get I, your cannabis. I was in Florida for quite a while. You know the while, right people? So, yeah, you know. So down there, the the herb grows completely different does than it does here because of the climate. Um, here, you're going to find out. You're going to see why I keep mine in these jars, and I'll put the lids on it really quick. And I'll let them set out because it'll turn into cr- Colorado crumble. And within a couple minutes, wow. this stuff Thanks. right here, watch. But then by the time we get done this little 20 minutes, this right here is going to be crumbly. <laughs> and when I pulled it's it out of there, it was hard to break up. It probably will be. Yeah, I recommend uh, trying to get a little better bag or something or smoke it quick or uh, it, it's, it's right. regardless. Right. But in Florida, you got the opposite. And I'm sure it's really nice and fresh and sticky all the time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. What's the regular uh, average humidity in Tampa? That I'm not sure, but I would say it's well over 70%. So uh, 16 to 65% is going to be ideal for cannabis uh, storage and consumption. Mm. A little bit less than that, it's going to start losing some of its uh, terpenes. They are just volatile to dry and to heat. So if you let them get access to heat, some of the smell is going to be lost, mm-hmm. and you can't get it back. Um, yeah, we were I don't, talking about I don't the, know what the percentage would be. We were talking about the concentrates. You just had a nice little dab of concentrate, and you said you enjoyed it. I like the fact that it didn't make me cough my face off. You know. Yeah. Because uh, who enjoys that? You know. It's not. I don't. It's not good for you. Yeah. I had bronchitis for probably two years in college because of smoking uh, herb that was bad, probably had pesticides or mold or something on it. I smoked tobacco for a little bit and I drank too much at the time. And I'm pretty sure it was the pesticides or mold or something on the herb that triggered uh, bronchitis. And I coughed for like two years. I had such abdominal pains Mm. that I never wanted to cough again. It's It's really bad for your chest, your stomach. That's all about, once again, being able to select exactly what you want, you know, not just have no options. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was turned on to the same dab that you had or the same concentrate you just took the Mm -hmm. wrong way. The first time I had a dab, somebody heated up the little banger like you see here. Mm -hmm. Way too hot. It was burning red. Put a dab on there, inhaled and it was too hot. That combustion of everything is too much of an explosion of energy for your lungs to take. So he was saying, the expert there, Jason, he's the connoisseur on dabs. Uh, they have $1,000 rigs, just this little part, mm-hmm. and the rest of it could be up to $20,000. Uh, you'll see some of them over here in just a little bit. Some of these unique and fascinating glass 
pieces of art, basically, and uh, little inserts that'll go in there that'll cost up to a thousand dollars just to maximize the taste and the flavor and the smoothness of it. It's it's a connoisseur thing now, true, like true. like wine and true, uh, true, yeah, especially for the rosins. Uh, mm-hmm. Like fine chocolates, these people just flew in from uh, Florida just to come here and take dabs and smoke some of the weed here, and uh, it's a part of their experience, you know. Like they come here, they do that. They might go skiing, they might do some other things, you know. So here you're going to find cushions grow really well, uh, hybrids uh, like the sativa that mm-hmm. we smoked a little bit ago. Those don't grow so well here. Just because of the dryness, altitude, and uh, lack of lack of uh, moisture. Excuse me, Florida. You get longer days. Just yeah, like certain flowers will grow there better than up up north. You have passion flower down in Florida, Florida, don't you? Passion flower. Like it's like a bluish star shaped or something. I remember getting some seeds and tried to grow them up north. They just didn't grow. And you look at the region, they grow in Florida really well. And I met a girl from Florida who who tried to grow them also. She didn't have any luck. But yeah, the days are longer, more humidity. You can get these sativas to grow or like uh, certain terpene profiles. So what we were saying, talking about the uh, different terpenes too, Depending on where the plant's grown, it can affect those terpenes. The terpenes are, or the trichomes that contain the terpenes and cannabinoids are known to be uh, like sunscreen for the plant. So it could be used as a sunscreen for you also. Or it's a mechanism to repel pests that they don't want on them. So if they boost up a lemon scent. That's a serious thing with the sunscreen because most of the sunscreen they got out there is not good for you at all. A lot of chemicals, and they say it's good for you, and then now they're talking about cancer. That give you it's cancer. good for you, but not for kids. The sunscreen itself will give you cancer. I use coconut oil, and I put a little co- cannabis in the coconut oil, and we'll just douse my body in it. The coconut oil itself is good for your skin. And then the THC and cannabinoids in it. That's my theory, and I've heard it from other people, too, that it will help with sunscreen. Everybody got a different science these days, man. I know some people that say, don't put no coconut or any oil on your body or in your body. So everybody got a different way. It's just a whole what they want to believe and who they heard it from and who they, which they believe want to believe. A lot of times, if they hear from a person that they look up to, then... They're probably going to believe it. You have to follow the science of your heart. Kind of like a gut instinct. Absolutely. I got this song I've been writing that has that line in it. I got some lyrics. It goes, I don't believe in nothing. I don't believe in nothing no more. No, I don't believe in nothing. I don't believe in nothing at all. 
Oh, what they're trying to tell you. I don't believe in nothing at all. And what they're trying to tell me. I don't believe in nothing no more. But I believe in love. I trust in my gut. What's the basic instinct? To be a good human. To be a good dog. To be a cool cat. And you can't beat that. So that's, that's basically it. I don't believe in nothing. But I believe in love, and I trust in my gut, and I just have this basic instinct to be a good human, to be a good dog, to be a cool cat. What's wrong with that? That's my goal, too. I love the message in all your songs, man. Uh, Strength of Consciousness. I'm going to put that to music. They got the dog crying about it. I'm going to put that to music to like a... uh, a New Orleans type of Mardi Gras type of sound. I don't believe in nothing like that. I like it. So you've had two albums out with Rasta Rafiki, correct? Mm, let me see. Another first thing we put out was called Eco Geo. That was years ago, the first thing, and it was on a cassette. I don't think it, even, it wasn't even on a CD. It was just cassette. I never seen or heard that one. Yeah, that was the very first one we put out. And then we put out this one called Cousins. And that was on cassette and CD too. And I then, had that one on CD. That's one with all the faces on it. It was black. And then the last one was Stream of Consciousness, which has a picture of the blue hole on it. That was a that's a popular swim hole in Morgantown, West mm-hmm. Virginia. It was. I know. At least it was. Yeah, I remember going there many a times. Uh, not everybody knew about it. It was more of a local the thing. And if you, get, knew, if you knew a local, they would take you there. Right. But if you didn't know a local and you're from out of state. Andy Lindsay would always take me. He's the bass player for Ross Rafiki. Because he lives in Mason Town. Yeah. So, yeah, my first year, somebody took me out there and I knew the secret swimming hole. There'd always be maybe 10, 15 people out there. The road is a little treacherous to get there, right? Yeah, especially in spring after snow melting the rain and mm-hmm. it would be all washed out. It's actually a, a, a entry point for whitewater rafting. So even if you get it at the wrong time, you'll have a big bus with a bunch of rafts coming at you on that little, little narrow, muddy road. It can it's be pretty funny, hectic. Uh, on the cover of that Stream of Consciousness CD, those people that are... Uh, Depicted through, it's like it was a carving or something or print. They were all there that day. Like we all went out there the night before and camped out there. And then the next day, people stayed out there and posed and God took a bunch of photographs of the whole area and then he put it together and made like a big print. Nice. So, do you have any uh, more records out or songs available? We do have some more songs that we've been recording over the years because, you know, Ross Rafiki, like, broke up officially back in 1995, something like that. I'm terrible with time. Back in 1995, 96, we broke up for a while. 
And then after like 10 years or so, we got back together. As our drummer Steve Markle put it, our statute of limitations on our grievances had expired. So we got back together and we, we called it a family reunion and we did some shows and we enjoyed each other so much that from that moment on, we kept getting together every summer. So put some time in it, 1995 and then 10 years later, like around 2005, we've been doing that like that from 2005 after being broken up for 10 years every summer, 2006, 2007, all the way up to 2020 when everything happened in March. We were supposed to be getting together in March to do some shows that all got canceled right at the whole 2020 March thing. Mm -hmm. And we haven't been together since. And now we're getting together. So it's kind of like a little mini reunion tour after after two or three year hiatus. Even though like people started touring again, you know, Steve had just moved to California and he was like, I need a little break. So he didn't. He didn't want to come back to West Virginia right away. So this is going to be nice, man. I wish you could be there. I might try to see if I could fly in. It's all going to be tight on the financials, but I'd love to be there. i do what I can to help you. We'll see if we can get a nice video videographer or something to videotape it. Do you have any YouTube uh, videos out there. Yeah, I'm trying to see how we can get some people to listen to some of your music that's yeah. out there and where it's available. My favorite Rasta Rafiki uh, YouTube video is Rasta Rafiki Cousins. The song's called Cousins. Check that one. That's my favorite one. We'll, we'll put some links, whatever uh, links we can find Rafiki. in the. Um, or you will put them in the links in the description of the episode. That way, if people want to listen, they can go click it and take it right to them. They don't have to do any searching. Try to try to cut out the, well, you know the hard work for them. I had another project in Tampa I forgot all about because I haven't been able to do it. It's called The Sunsetters. It was me. I played a drum kit and I sang. And then my good friend Jose Paschini, he created a guitar where... I watched him do it over the years because me and him played together for a good, we played together for a good 21 years in Tampa, just me and him as a duo. And he he took a a guitar that he was comfortable with and he put two bass strings on it and four regular strings on it. And he would, he was from, he's from Brazil. He would play the bass with his thumb. Mm. And played a rhythm. Kind of like a flamingo style, right? Yeah, he had that type of influence, although he said he never studied it. And we would sound like four guys performing. So I had that going on in Tampa, too. Did you guys ever get any recordings? We recorded a CD, and I'm going to give you a copy of it. All right. But the CD actually has more than just the two of us because, like, I played drums and he played some bass on some and some keyboards on some, but but Sunsetters. I have not had a chance to hear anything from Sunsetters. Oh, I, uh, cool. I came uh, right out of college, right out here for two years, and I ended up meeting married and moving to Spain. I lived in Spain for like 15 or 12 years. Mm-hmm. And I was in Canada for three. I fell off on all American music, almost all American entertainment. Well, that's something I did in Tampa. It's all original music. 
sweet. Definitely gonna bump this in my a car. A couple tracks I I worked with uh, a keyboard player who was once with Rasta Rafiki. His name was Chris Whitley, but he ended up he was with Rasta Rafiki for a few years, and then he ended up eventually touring with one of the reggae art icons, uh, Joseph Hill from Culture, and he was a part of the band that supported Joseph Hill for years and until Joseph Hill passed away. And uh, me and him stay in touch. And uh, he sends me musical tracks and ideas he had, and I'll put lyrics to it and vice versa. So a couple of the tracks on the end he was involved in. So I hope you like it. I can't wait to give it a, che- a check in. I will definitely give you some feedback on that. And uh, <clears throat> excuse me. We're going to wrap this up here and uh, go over here and check out some more of the Connoisseur Collective and maybe uh, check out a little bit more of Denver here next couple of days. I uh, wish you had time to come up into the mountains and see that. Uh, maybe we could set up a trip um, before the weekend, do a day trip up to the mountains because it's a whole another world up there. Uh, it's still got snowfall up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, wildlife. The weather is supposed to be iffy in the last, next couple of days from what I heard. But yeah, we'll, we'll check it out and scope it you out. Know, I ain't trying to deal with too much cold and snow. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. I, I might have had the right shoes, though. <laughs> nah, I won't I take you. I wouldn't take you into a, a snowstorm or nothing. It shouldn't be too bad up there now. <laughs> All right, uh, cool, cool, cool. But uh, when it does snow up there, it turns into spring, 50 degrees in the daytime, below freezing at night, so it melts, and then it's Mm-hmm. It's like skiing and t-shirts up there sometimes for the next right. two, three weeks, and then it then it finishes up and there won't be any I, snow at like all. Like I told you, I'm going to be back through because I don't already manifested. I'm bringing the Florida crew to Colorado. We're going to do something right in the backyard right there on the compound right here. So, yeah, we'll advertise this, guys. If uh, he gets out here and it happens, I'm going to advertise him on the podcast. We'll get, right. get a nice little crowd out here to check out. The Sunsetters, right? And that's no, the that's going to be One Love Rising. One Love Rising. All right. Yes. So the One Love Rising is the current group. This Sunsetters, I got the two confused. Uh, I've seen you post both of them on Facebook. Yeah. So uh, if you want to follow Derek on Facebook, it's Derek McDonald. I'll actually put a link in you there. Know, Sunsetters is a Tampa-based thing. You know, we don't really travel too much. But One Love Rising, we're trying to make some moves. You know what I mean? We're trying to move around. One Love Rising. If you are anybody out there looking for some reggae artist to come by uh denver we'll try to set up a couple shows for him yeah because we're gonna link up with some of the local musicians because i got some local musician friends that i've known from west virginia who live here outside of denver and Longmont, Longmont. Mm-hmm. and i've known him for a long time and played in bands with him for a long time so we're gonna link up with him and have like a local but it's gonna be it's going to be local artists, but us all together, you know, jamming. So uh, up in the Boulder area, too, from here, up towards Boulder, there's a lot of music scene up in Boulder. It's a younger crowd up oh, there. Cool, there's cool. That's the college uh, town up there. So definitely there's you gotta a link me up, couple bro. couple you different venues up there that play. If we do this thing music. here, then you got to help me link up some other stuff, too. Yeah, these guys know some more people, too. So okay. uh, we'll definitely look out and see where we can find some spots to look. Looking for some reggae bands out there. I know there's a couple radio stations out here too that play some love. reggae. It's gonna be mad love. That's a that's a Ross Rafiki cut right there. <laughs> I 
I got the same song. I got Dr. Herb as my, my phone ringing too. So when that it rings, it's Dr. Herb coming on. That one was a song that uh, actually Don the Buffalo wrote for and about Ross Rafiki. Jeb per, per year, you know, Jeb per year. He's the lead guy with Don the Buffalo. I know Don the Buffalo. I didn't know the name. He of wrote her. a song about and for us. It's called West Virginia Rastafari. Uh, I was going to say a little bit ago that when you went to West Virginia, you did you find the little West Virginia Rastafari crew, or is that just from his song? Was there a Rastafari crew there? He wrote he wrote that song about us because we played together. We played shows together. Like his band got in touch with Tom Bachelor and was like, "Hey, can we come in?" Morgantown and do a show with y'all. We heard you guys got a little scene. And we're like, sure. And then we were like, hey, can we come up to New York and do a show with y'all? Because we heard y'all got a little scene. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got to know each other. And then Don the Buffalo got the greatest idea of all to get their own freaking tent and their own equipment and start throwing their own freaking festivals, which became the grassroots and all the great festivals that Don the Buffalo have been a part of. And one day, Jeb came up on our bus and was like, hey, I wrote a song for y'all. And we're like half asleep because we've been driving all night. And he broke out his guitar and he starts singing it. He says, I wrote this song for y'all. Y'all should play this. And it was beautiful. And we recorded it. <laughs> That's a great story. So, Derek, I highly appreciate you coming on the show. I think the dog needs to go out here. Or he likes to thank you for coming on the show, too. We got his attention. <laughs> All right, brother. Love you, brother. Thank you. And uh, definitely going to hit the links up in the in the descriptions. That way everybody knows where they can follow you at. And uh, we'll get this done here. So I'd love to see you come out here and play. I appreciate it, man. All right. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll be back next week with another show. Until then, peace and love. I also want to give thanks to the Connoisseur Collective for letting me use your space to record this episode with Derek. Coming up soon on May 6th, Pato Bantan will be playing down at the Connoisseur Collective in Wheat Ridge. If you want to get tickets, go to theconnoisseurcup.com for more information.
necessarily the point, but I want one. For the doctor. And 1993, we're gonna be like a gun to treat a pot to carry. 